Welcome to this week's episode of Multiplane Tales. I'll be your tale teller, JC. This tale is called, How Could You? And dear listener, if you want to submit your story, you can send it to multiplanetales at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Rylan peeked past the corridor. He looked behind him, giving a thumbs up to his squad. The other four sneaked towards their destination. The boys huddled up against the door. Dariax, always the first to act, grabbed the lock-picking set from Bakrami's pockets. Without hesitation, Dariax began picking the lock. The others stood there, watching eagerly. Will you guys hurry up? Ryland whispered. It won't budge, Dariax retorted. Move over, Bakrami interjected. He pushed Dariax out of the way and tried his luck at picking the lock. It was dead quiet. Click. All the boys looked at each other, smirking. Bakrami turned the handle. He was startled by Ryland's sudden appearance. He's coming, he muttered. We have to stall him. All of us? asked Zebum. Not all of us, but Bakrami has to. He's the dumbest one here, he jeered. Bakrami left the door and lunged at Ryland. The other boys yanked him back. Ryland found himself right in front of the door. He suspected that their target would be rounding the corner any second. He pushed all the boys towards the hallway and slipped past the door. He was in the middle of the room when he heard his squad start interacting with the target. Ryland stood still for a sec. He had to be sure of the target's location, and at that moment, he was not moving. Ryland continued his mission, more cautiously now, caring not to make a sound. He made his way to his desk. There it was, the vessel they had worked so hard for, Mr. Katukati's morning tea. He uncorked the vial he swiped from Zebum. The door opened. Bakarami, I will listen to you and the rest in a minute, okay? Ryland turned around. Mr. Katukati had opened the door, but his attention was still focused on the boys. Ryland took that chance to spin around behind the desk and slip under it. Their voices weren't getting any closer, so Ryland popped out from under the desk, uncorked the vial, and poured its contents into the tea. He returned to his hiding place as the doors fully opened, and Mr. Katukati rushed to his desk. Luckily for Ryland, he did not sit down, or he would have been found. Mr. Katukati grabbed his tea from the table and returned his focus to the squad. They were able to convince him to follow them to retrieve the notebook with the questions none of them could figure out. The group made their way down the hallway. Ryland didn't move until he could barely hear them chatting. He made his way to the door and opened it slowly. He looked outside to confirm nobody was nearby. When he saw no one, he left the room and used an alternate route to one of the side doors of the school. He made his way to the front, where he saw the squad huddled together muttering. Zebum saw him and waved with a smile. The others followed his gaze. They all ran to him and began bombarding him with questions. He told them how he completed the mission, making the situation a little tenser than it was. The boys ooed and awed. He didn't get to bask in their glory for too long. His older sister, Ekabi, was there to pick him up. He told the boys he had to leave and made his way to her. He did not want to piss her off. She was already a blab. She would tell their father anything bad she caught Ryland doing. And the last thing he needed was another talking to from his father, telling him to be more like Ekabi. With her help, he jumped onto the horse, and they made their way home. Their father Garth was cooking up a storm when they arrived. He told them to clean up and get ready. Garth always made dinner before they arrived from school. He worked four jobs to support them, and didn't get to spend as much time as he would like with them. That is why, when Garth gets home from his third job, he takes a shower, a mini-break, then starts making dinner for his kids. After they got home, he would make them clean up and all sit at the table to talk about their day. He would only get an hour before he left for his night job. 
Rylan went first. He told him about his exam results. He said that generally, everybody got a lower score than they thought. The table chuckled, then they moved on to Ekabi and his father. He was telling a story from his work when his hour for work came up. He promised to tell him the rest of the tale when he returned, if they were awake. The two did their daily chores. Rylan finished up and angrily did his homework. He then remembered what he and his squad had done, and he was satisfied with his work. It was the most thrilling experience he's had. A couple hours before his bedtime, there was a hard knock on the door. He was closer to it than Ekabi, so he ran and yanked the handle back. Towering over him were five city guards. We are looking for a Rylan, Keenan, said the closest one to him. That is me, Rylan responded. Where is your parents, boy? Not here. My papa's at work. In that case, you will be contacted. Rylan Keenlin, you are now under the supervision of the Misty Markmen for the attempted murder of an elderly citizen and in the possession of a technically lethal substance. Come with us in peace and all will be right. Rylan tried to turn to find Ekabi, but the guards grabbed him and put him in some cuffs. Two of the guards now had their weapon drawn and were on high alert. They took him to the dungeons. They pushed him past the office area where he saw Zebum and Bakrami sitting with their parents. They guided him to a concrete room with a stool in the center. I will be back. Your father has been contacted, and he will be here when we allow him. The guard closed the cell door. Rylan was left there with his thoughts. His heart was beating, palms sweaty, a pit in the bottom of his stomach. Poison? Murder? That wasn't part of the plan. There was no poison. It was supposed to be a dumb revenge prank. Rylan lost perception of time in that room. He waited a long time before a guard returned to his door. The guard led him to another room. Three guards were standing up around a table with a stool at the end. The guard that brought him there gestured for him to take a seat. Once he did, he noticed some papers on the table. One of the guards, the one Rylan believed to be the leader, began to question him. He told Rylan that Mr. Kati was currently under the supervision of some kind-hearted clerics. The guard told him how the other boys confessed that he was the one who poured the liquid into the tea and the mastermind behind it. The guard went off on this hypothetical story about what happened. Rylan sat there, wide-eyed and silent. He didn't know what the guard was referring to. He did pour whatever was in the vial into the tea, but that was only supposed to give Mr. Kati an upset stomach and a bit of diarrhea. They wanted to get back at him for unfairly grading their exams, not kill him, and he was certainly not the mastermind behind the plan. He was just the most capable. The guard was visibly getting more upset at Rylan's silence. He slammed his hand on the table. You expect me to believe you did not know he had a fatal allergies to poppies? No, Rylan squeaked. You wanted him to pay, so you got your friends to distract him for you to deliver your revenge. You just didn't expect your friends to turn on you so fast, right? No, Rylan began to cry. I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't know what was in the vial. You best hope he survives, boy. Now clean yourself up. Your father promised to pay your bail and is waiting in the lobby. Ryland felt even worse hearing that his father was there. A part of him would rather spend the night in the dungeon than see his father's disappointment. They led him to the lobby where he saw his father pacing back and forth. He had bags under his eyes and they were red. Ryland was hoping that he would just be pissed at him. He could deal with an angry father. When his father saw him, he ran up to Rylan and gave him a hug. He pulled back and looked him straight in the eyes. We'll talk about it later, okay? He took a seat while his father talked to the guards. 
Rylan saw him give them a big bag of gold. Not too soon afterwards, the two walked home. His father walked into the dining room and sat down. He took a few deep breaths. Rylan gave him a couple minutes before he sat down on the other end of the table. Rylan slowly began telling his father what happened. His father didn't even look at him. His hands were in his face, and he did not say a word. When Rylan finished his story, there was a long pause before his father looked up. I believe you, Ry. I don't want you to think I don't. But Katuk is sick because of your actions. They want to lock you up, Ry. If it gets worse, there's not much I can do. I'm, I'm sorry, Dad. Rylan started. His father held his hands, gesturing for him to stop. Ry, I told you to stop hanging around those boys. I told you they were trouble. The guards told me they all agreed that you're the mastermind. They turned on you, Rai. I just don't know what to do with you anymore. I'm sorry, Rylan tried. Sorry isn't gonna cut it this time. His father looked at him with tears in his eyes. What do you want me to do, Rylan? Hmm? I know I'm not here as much as you like, but I'm doing all I can for you and Ekabi. You know that. I know things have been difficult since Balina's passing, but you're not the only one suffering, Rai. I need you to try harder. If? No. When things clear out, I need you to promise me to try harder. I promise, Dad, Rylan said. He could no longer look his father in the eyes. The guilt was too much. His father rose from his seat and walked over to him. He wrestled his hair and gave him a hug. I know you can, Ry. Now get ready for bed. I gotta return to work. Rylan quickly took a bath and went to bed. He didn't want to face Ekabi. If his conscience was heavy enough, he did not need his sister to make him feel worse. He tossed and turned, but sleep evaded him. He heard his sister arrive and prepare for bed. He pretended he was sleeping. His door cracked open. Sleep tight, little criminal, Ekabi whispered. He didn't move a muscle. Ekabi stayed there a few seconds, gauging if he was asleep. He heard a scoff before returning to her room. The following morning, he woke up in a dead silent house. His father and Ekabi had already left, but there was a letter left on the table. It was from his father. It stated that he was to stay in the house until further notice. It also said there were guards that might occasionally monitor the home to make sure he didn't run away. He went and sat on the couch exhausted. Rylan spent the entire night looking at his walls trying to sleep, but he couldn't. He was now emotionally, mentally, and physically drained. Even laying on the couch he couldn't sleep. He did take a few short naps, but they weren't satisfying. He tried doing various tasks throughout the day, but he couldn't focus on any of them. As evening came, he decided he was going to prepare dinner for the family. He set the table and made a simple meal. When his father and Ekabi arrived, they were surprised to see a warm plate of potatoes and eggs waiting for them. Once they cleaned up a bit, the family sat down and ate. It was quiet at first, but Ekabi started telling him about her day. She gestured for her dad to go next, but he wasn't paying attention. He was in his own world. She touched his hands, which brought him back to reality. She asked if he was okay, and he apologized for not paying attention. Rylan, I spoke to the guards today. Mr. Kati is stable. The clerics were able to clear his blood of the substance. Rylan perked up. He's okay? No, he's stable. He's in a coma, Rylan. They don't know when he will wake up. All that newfound energy dissipated. They gave me two options. Thank God the death penalty was dismissed. They charged you with possession of a deadly substance and the endangerment of an elderly person. They want you to serve prison for a while or be sent to a special crew for troubled use as soon as possible, by which they mean now. He let that sink in. Rylan was suddenly captivated by his meal. What about our family vacation to visit mom's family? Ekabi looked at him puzzled. 
Rye, Dad used that money to get you out of jail. The food in his stomach churned. Rylan was discovering new levels of self-hate. Rye, it's alright, said his father. Belena's parents understand. We can visit them as a family during your free time from the school they're sending you to. But you spend the last year saving up for that, Rylan cried. And I can do it again, Rye. The front door opened. Standing there was a small group of guards, different guards than any of them were used to. Their outfits were different. Their presence was not physically intimidating like the city guards, but a quiet strength. Rylan was sure that these guards were more powerful or more specialized than the city guards. Rylan's father hugged him tightly, then pushed him towards them. Ekabi was in the back with tears running down her face. She looked as shocked as he was, but she didn't say a word. She waved him goodbye and turned around to cry. The guards in the front grabbed Rylan's shoulder. He placed him in the middle of the group. The world around him went black. He felt the ground beneath him shift. It stabilized just as fast. Once he got his bearings, he saw he was sitting in a chair at a desk. He got up and looked around. He was in a big room. There was a bed in one corner, a small dining room with a hearth at the center. All said and done, it was cozy. There was a surprising amount of space. Mid-exploration, there was a knock at his door. He went to it. Standing there was a tall bald elf. Hello, child. You are now a warrior of the Count. You will be trained in the art of hand-to-hand -hand combat. You will be your weapon, and everything else supplementary. You have been chosen to not rot in your cell for your higher level of key. With us, you will harness it, channel it for the people of our lands. You will live in the shadows, nameless to the masses, a dog under my control. Why would you go along with this, you're thinking? One, you cannot run. We are on a plane of our creation. Escape is futile. Two, you don't follow orders, and you and all you love will perish. Are we out of understanding, child? Yes, Rylan mumbled. Rylan stayed there for decades. The teachings were hard for him to understand. It took him longer than his peers to perfect the Void techniques, but when he did, his form and abilities were among the best. He became a pro in key manipulation, using it to make himself quieter or blend in with the darkness. As tests, they would send them back to the material plane to complete certain missions. Rylan never asked questions or revolted. After his third mission, he learned that the time spent in the monk's plane did not equate to the material plane. The decades that he spent there were only a few years on the material plane. Every night, he thought about his family. He hadn't seen him in decades, but they haven't seen him in years. He was an adult now, not much younger than his father. To keep his mind off them, he trained religiously. If he wasn't on a job, he would be in the yard refining his motion. That caught the attention of the head monk. He wasn't surprised when he got called in for a special mission. Death Poppy, you have exceeded our expectations. Hence, you will be assigned the Silver Linings case. You are to find a group of adventurers that call themselves the Violent Embers. They have a member called Isamilia. She is a dragonborn with deep roots in the rebel uprising. You will infiltrate the group to gain their trust and keep us informed. Keep in mind there is a chance you will need to kill her. Our sources tell her that they're staying in Little Haven Inn in Lakeville. Gather what you need. You meet them tonight. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you'd like to submit your story, you can send it to multiplanetales at gmail.com. And if you could, please share this with all your friends and family across the multiplanes. Again, thanks for listening, and you'll hear me again in a fortnight.